the comments he's always made uh, about my game, it's really impacted me in my life because if Kobe signs off on you, you have the ultimate confidence to continue to go forward because this is the guy everybody emulated. You have to be obsessed, you have to be paranoid, you have to be all those things to even come close to having the approach Kobe did because he was obsessed with chasing greatness and sustaining a level of greatness. His understanding of who he was and what he wanted to be never wavered from number eight Kobe with the fro to number 24 Kobe with four daughters and a family. It, it never wavered. Welcome to the Kobe Bryant episode of Pull Up. That's right, episode number 94, but in honor of Kobe, we can pretend it's 24. Um, tough couple days here across the world here in Oregon as well uh, as we mourn the loss of a legend, Kobe Bryant. I'm currently in Oregon uh, preparing to play the Houston Rockets. We have a little homestand before we actually head to L.A. to play the Lakers on Friday. So just kind of been getting my body together and um, trying to continue to nurse this uh, ankle injury that I'm coming off of and, and stay sharp. But in light of uh, the passing of COVID, it's been a tough couple days for everybody. Um, Jordan, I know you're in Miami right now. You're, you're kind of you know, south, you know, in, in the football atmosphere. But what's the temperature like uh, there in Miami with uh, the passing of Kobe? And how has that kind of affected, you know, people that even play another sport, NFL players? CJ, I think there is a looming cloud hanging over Miami, uh, even with the Super Bowl just days away of how demoralizing and impactful Kobe's death, um, as well as the death of Gigi and this poor, these poor families is. Um you know, he was such a fearless player, and he always talked about how, you know, if I miss the last shot, that's on me, but I'm okay with that. I think he was so accessible the way he approached not only the game, but helping others, especially toward the tail end of his career, and then certainly after his career finished when he was able to be more retrospective and really look at his role as uh, not only as a basketball icon, CJ, but but as someone that could advance the game. And we'll talk about that final tweet, but you know, he, he talked about it with LeBron, like advancing the game of basketball. And he was, you know, Dame said that in his first All-Star game in 2014, I believe it was, that, you know, he really sat next to Kobe for most of the game because he didn't play a lot. Kobe was hurt. Kobe was very empathetic with Dame because he was like, go ahead. You know, when you get out there, make sure you shoot. You belong here. You belonged here last year. Let's keep in touch. And CJ, I know with you, uh, as we'll discuss later on today in the pod, you know, he was very accessible for you. And I think that's one of the legacies of Kobe, aside from his greatness as a player, but the way he approached life, uh, the way that he wanted to help others, his ability to transform himself as a human being, especially at the uh, as his career ended, you know, going into film winning an Academy Award, writing children's books, all of these things that, uh, you know, who, who would have thought that Kobe Bryant could could become so successful? Not that it was so hard to believe, but that he would be able to move on from basketball. He talked a lot about, you know, not wanting to be essentially, you know, stuck in the past. You know, for, for all his greatness, Michael Jordan, I don't really know if he's ever found, like, the next big thing for him. I think Kobe saw basketball as a platform later on in his career that he could really use for good. And then now how am I going to use this to advance myself, advance the game, and advance others? 
Obviously, Kobe played a role in a lot of people's lives that knew him and people that didn't know him just based on his work ethic, his tenacity, and everything about him. But you just really feel for his family, man. I think that's the thing that hurts the most. Um, understanding that his daughter passed away, understanding that there was other families uh, who are no longer going to be able to, you know, wake up with their dog, wake up with their mother, wake up with their father, wake up with their sister, brother, cousin, nephew, niece. There's just so many components to this to where now you feel for Vanessa, you feel for Kobe's other daughters, his family, um, that this tragedy has taken him and his daughter away from them. And it's just a, a really sad time. And just trying to deal with that, understanding the relationship I had with Kobe, understanding the relationship my teammates had with Kobe, it's just been tough. Like I know Melo, I know Trevor, they had great relationships with Kobe. I know Dame had a relationship with Kobe. I know a lot of my friends across the league, uh, KD, I know Bron, Kyrie, I know all those guys, Giannis. There's just so many players that he's impacted in. It's crazy because to us, you know what I mean, like those guys that were born, you know, mid to late 90s, Kobe was the Jordan of that generation. You know what I mean? I grew up watching Jordan, but I also grew up watching Kobe and idolizing him and to, you know, to to wake up to that type of news is is just devastating, man. And it's it's crazy because I kind of modeled my my work ethic, I modeled my dedication, my my preparation after him. You know what I mean? The the 5 a.m. workouts, I started doing that because Kobe did it. You know, the the scowl, the fadeaways, the all of that stuff came from him, man. So just to to be in the position where I idolize this guy, I get to play against him, I get to tell him my appreciation for his game. You know, I had a conversation with him, multiple conversations about how um his story changed my life. You know, him not playing right away in his career. I looked at that as motivation. Like if Kobe can overcome not playing, can overcome shooting air balls in the playoffs, then why can't I? And it's just it's just sick, man, for him to to no longer be here with us. And I just, you know, I, I can't I can't say it enough about the impact he's had on the world. And it's crazy because his trajectory of what he was going to do off the court was unbelievable. Uh, it, it probably would have surpassed what he did on the court, which is saying a lot because if you separate eight and 24, that's two separate Hall of Fame level careers. And he was going to have an even greater Hall of Fame level impact off the court. He, CJ, wrote multiple books, children's books. He was the best teller of his own story. You know, he really knew how to tell a story he had a, a gift when it came to storytelling with basketball and with everything else he won an academy award he was he was the first athlete really to embrace china and see that as an opportunity i think everything you need to know about kobe is said when you consider that over 100 players wear his shoe i mean how many Think about what that means. Like, it's not just a good shoe. It's because it's Kobe, and he's inspired so many. If you're under the age of 30, so, CJ, you, th this, this level of gratitude and also angst and grief that's being felt is so real because he was just a text away for so many players. He was, he was the guy that um, – he was the gatekeeper. And he was the guy that really appreciated – helping the next generation and as he said in his final tweet moving the game forward yeah it's 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 super sad man like you said before he was just a text away i remember dming him because i didn't have his number saved i remember dming him 
asking them questions about work ethic, preparation, focusing on the playoffs, how do I get ready? And then slipping in the question like, hey, side note, can you come on the podcast at some point? You know what I'm yeah. saying? Him agreeing to come on the podcast. Like there was just so many things that he was willing and able to do, like inviting people up for workouts. I was invited up to the Mamba, to the workouts at the Mamba Academy last summer, but I had already booked a vacation. And it's crazy because this is how much this is how much my girl knows I love Kobe. I had already paid for a vacation in Europe, like booked the trip. We had a travel agent set up, hotels was confirmed, everything. She was like, I know how much, you know, Kobe means to you. I know how much, you know, you look up to him. So if you want to cancel the vacation and go work out, you can go work out. Like that's how much That's crazy. <laughs> that's how much um I've looked up to Kobe my whole life. And she was willing to like cancel our entire vacation in Europe for me to go work out um with Kobe and uh, a handful of guys in California. Obviously, I ended up um t- taking the vacation to Europe and was thinking, you know, I'll be able to go next summer. I had told uh, I told Phil, Phil was organizing um the selection of players and I said I can't make it this summer, but I'll for sure be there next summer. I'm 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 penciling out the whole month. I'm going to keep it open. So any date you pick this month, I'll be able to make it. And it's unfortunate that Kobe won't be there next year um, for this uh, opportunity. When you DM'd him for the first time and he got back to you, what was your emotion and feeling? It was crazy because this is a guy who's, you know, essentially – running a multi-billion dollar business. You know, he had Granity, what is it, Granity Studios. Um, he has a family. He's constantly involved in different ventures, you know, not only in the basketball world, but in the tech world. He's literally a guy who is, it seems like he doesn't sleep. You know, there's stories about him, you know, reading books at 3, 4 a.m., calling authors, you know, calling people who've recommended him books and wanting to talk about it at 4 in the morning. Um he was a guy who enjoyed being around people who loved to compete. So it's crazy that he would he would get back to me um, on a DM of me just asking him questions about the game of basketball, even though we had a relationship and we knew each other and he knew um, how I felt about him in the game of basketball. He didn't have to respond right away. He didn't have to agree to, to do certain things, and he was always um, forthcoming and, and honest. And I think our, our talks um, – at the SBs a few years ago, our talks, you know, pre and post games and um, the comments he's always made uh, about my game, it's really impacted me in my life because if Kobe signs off on you, um, you have the ultimate, ultimate confidence to continue to go forward because this is a guy everybody emulated, especially if you were born in the mid-90s and are under 30. I'm so glad you went there because he appreciated your game. And it's, it's ironic because... The reasons he loved your game were probably the same reasons or very similar to why you and so many other great players appreciated his. It wasn't just the drive or the scoring. It was the skill and the footwork and the ability to um, you know, maximize performance, right? Mental, physical. It was everything that went into that mama mentality that he took on. I think that's what he appreciated about your game. And I feel like when you grew up watching him, it's similar to Allen Iverson. It's not entirely different, really, when you think about you know certain guys that transcend the game. And it's not just about like, oh, he was a 33% three-point shooter. You know, He took bad shots. It's like, who cares? He was so special and magnetic that you couldn't, you couldn't stop watching him. I mean, that's why like you hear these stories about so many former great players that 
that loved Kobe. And it's not surprising, but like I was listening to this, to an ESPN pod about Dirk and how Dirk like idolized Kobe, even though he was a peer, Kobe was like the guy that Dirk looked at and said, okay, he was the one that really is synonymous with our generation of like nineties, early two thousands, you know, mid two thousands basketball. Kobe's the guy. And it's very, very special when you think about uh, his career, the longevity, the fact that he came back from a torn Achilles. And then the story I'll tell about Achilles specifically, I wasn't sure if we'd have time or if we get into this, but I think it's worth noting CJ Kobe, like, he was obsessed with Achilles, the great ancient Greek warrior. That was like his guy. And the reason was he appreciated the fact that it was about, let me live a great life and accomplish great things, albeit in a shorter span, because I'd rather do that than live a long life and not have an impact. And it's so ironic that at 41 years old, you know, he passes away because he idolized and tried to embody the Greek warrior Achilles who died in battle but was so accomplished. Yeah, Kobe's story is is beyond legendary. And I think it's it's ironic, like you said before, when he first got into the league, he rubbed a lot of people the wrong way with his arrogance, his supreme confidence. He mimicked everything Michael Jordan did from the walk to the fadeaway to the to the tongue to the scowl. He mimicked everything he did to the point to where people were sick of him. People were upset with the fact that this 19-year-old thought that he was going to be better than Jordan. Not only did he think it, he embraced it and worked towards that goal. And I think as he continued to, to get older and mature, people realized that his demeanor, his mentality, his supreme confidence in himself stemmed from work ethic. It stemmed from... You know, those 5 a.m. workouts a week after winning the finals. And this guy would take a week or two off and get right back into training at a ridiculous level. Pargo was telling me stories about how when he was an un, when he was a uh, uh, a free agent. Gennaro Pargo? Yeah, Gennaro Pargo. Was or telling Jeremy me, Pargo. Gennaro was Gennaro, t- yeah. telling me stories about how he came in early to Lakers facility and was working out. And he said Kobe would be in there. And you're talking about a guy who was just drafted in June, right? So in June or whatever, he's in there working out. And he said that his goal was to beat Kobe to the gym. And no matter what time he got there, he couldn't beat Kobe to the gym. And Kobe would work out for an hour, hour and a half. And then sometimes he would come back out and watch Pargo work out and give him tips and, and kind of show him different things. But that just kind of gives you an idea of who he was. Um, he could be celebrating, he could be relaxing, he could be vacationing, but he would rather work out. And the, one of the stories behind the helicopter is that he was late to a play for one of his daughters because he was stuck in traffic and he had to figure out a way to still be able to work out, still be able to handle his business while being a family man and dropping his kids off. So he figured out how to how to do that by getting a helicopter and making most of his trips 15 minutes. And um, it's just it's just crazy just to see like the measures he would take to still get up at 5 a.m. weights, work out, shower go home, take his kids to practice, take his kids to the play, take his kids to school, whatever the case may be, and still be at the top of his game while being an excellent father. CJ, I think the climb to greatness and to the mountaintop, as hard as it is, it's harder to stay there. And he was so keenly aware, it would seem, to your point of how everyone, and he would internalize things the way Michael would probably, but how everyone in his mind was was coming to take his throne. And I'm... And I'll be damned if I let somebody 
come take what's mine. And and he was so vicious and unrelenting about his work ethic that to your point about Gennaro Pargo and, and, and how many stories have we heard of him being in the gym, you know, on a game day, three, four hours before a game, coming out of the weight room, dripping wet and sweat because he had just already had a full workout. Then he would go make, what, three, 400 shots, and then he would play the game. It's unbelievable to me that after all of those years, 20 years in the NBA, he remained that dedicated to his craft. I mean, have you, when you think about that, like, is there, what do you even say to someone that's like coming into the league now as, as who's trying to emulate the greatness of Kobe Bryant because it's so like it's impossible to emulate that type of work ethic. Yeah, it's you have to be a maniac. You have to be obsessed. You have to be paranoid. You have to be all those things to even come close to having the approach Kobe did because he was obsessed with chasing greatness and sustaining a level of greatness. Like Jalen Rose said before. If Kobe ever puffed his chest out, if he ever smelled his own roses and got content with who he was as a player, there's no way he scores 81 points. He scores 40 or 50 or maybe 60. Talking about a guy who was so locked in, he wasn't even celebrating after baskets. And Jalen Rose had a great point. After the game, he didn't write 81 on a, on a piece of paper and hold it up and say, uh, I'm, I'm Kobe Bryant, the guy who had the second greatest scoring night of all time in the NBA. He literally just went about his business like, that's what I do. Like, this is what I had to do tonight for us to win. So that's what I did. And Jalen talked about it. Kobe didn't celebrate or boast during the game. He didn't talk trash. At times, obviously, he did. But this night, he was so focused on being locked in and being the best version of himself, he was lost in the game. And I think Jalen had the the utmost respect for him because he had every right to boast. He had every right to be cocky and confident. And he was confident in himself and really believed in himself. But that night, he didn't really show up his opponent. And if he did, I think Jalen Rosen then might have might have taken that the wrong way and, and tried to put a hard foul or two on him as he drove to the basket. CJ, though, have you heard the story about Kobe, specifically when it comes to the 81 points in, I think it was 2018, and why he needed to score 81? Have you ever heard the story? No, I haven't heard it. This, this is, see, and this is what the side about uh, Kobe that I loved. He was really funny, right? And, and, he was really intelligent. We know he spoke multiple languages, and he was he 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 had a lot of size. He was very multidimensional as a player, but maybe more importantly as a person. And when asked in uh, 2018 about the 81 point game, he said they told him um, TMZ, I think it was, said, "Well, you know, Schmush Parker was the second leading scorer. He had 13 points." Kobe's quote was, "Now you know why I had to score 81." <laughs> <laughs> That's a serious bar. That's a real bar. Another story for our listeners out there that want to hear Kobe stories. We got Kobe stories for days. B. Shaw told a story the other day about how uh, Kobe missed 30 shots in a game. I think Shaq sat out and Kobe went 17 for... 47, 48, whatever it was, maybe it was 15 for 45, whatever it was, it was the second most shots he's ever taken. Uh, I think he took 50 in the game, he scored 60. So maybe he took like 45 or 47 shots. 
And after the game, he was interviewed by reporters and the reporters asked him, um, with Shaq being out, did you feel like you needed to be more aggressive tonight? You know, what was what was kind of like your mindset going into it with you, uh, you know, taking 45 or 47 shots, whatever it was. And Kobe with a straight face said that, you know, no, I didn't think I needed to be more aggressive tonight. You know, I just felt like um, me one on five uh, taking a contested shot was a be- was a better opportunity uh, and a better shot for me than one of my teammates being wide open. He said that after the game, and Phil Jackson, Phil Jackson being the, the mastermind that he is in film the next day, shows Kobe's post-game interview and turns the volume up. Turns the volume up so that the players in the locker room can hear it. And basically lets them know that, hey, this is what Kobe thinks about you. B. Shaw says that Rick Fox stands up and goes... You know, basically like, man, this is disrespectful. Like, how could you say something like this? Is that like, is this what you really think about us? And, <laughs> and Kobe looks back at him and basically says, well, I wasn't being disrespectful to you guys. Like, I really feel and believe that in my heart. Like, I feel like me shooting those contested shots is the best shot for our team. And Bijal said, that just kind of showed you who Kobe was. And if you're ever in a foxhole, if you're ever in a position to where, you know, you need someone to, to have supreme confidence when, when the odds are not in your favor, you want Kobe on your side because he's always going to believe in himself regardless of circumstances. But that just kind of shows you his mentality. You know, me one on five, fadeaways, whatever it takes, is a better shot than you being wide open. Basically, like as I used to tell my teammates in college, you're open for a reason. They want you to shoot. <laughs> That's why you're open. Yeah. Yeah. Yo, but but I don't have you ever taken I don't I mean, go back to AAU high school. Have you ever taken fifty shots in a game? No, I've never taken fifty shots, but I've taken thirty plus. And what have you ever gotten for like sure. seven of thirty two? No, no, no. I think the I think the most shots I've missed is like a four for twenty. Yeah. You know, like in that 15 to 17 range of shots missed, which is a, still a lot. But at that point, though, you're like, it's not my night. I, I got to stop firing. No, I feel like the next shot is going in. I feel like if okay, I miss okay. 10 in a row, oh, I'm about to get hot. I'm about to get hot. That just means law average is a hot streak is for sure on the way, like 100%. What I love about scores is that um, – the other side of it, if I made eight in a row, it's not the law of averages. I'm gonna next. I'm gonna go three for my next fifteen or whatever. The law of averages is irrelevant. It's only relevant when I'm missing. I'm gonna start making, but when I'm making, I'm gonna continue making. It's that, but it's that mentality that makes you great. You have to believe, and that's what Kobe did. Yeah, Kobe had supreme confidence. Think about this. Talking about a guy who's a rookie in the playoffs, comes down, shoots an air ball, gets the ball again, doesn't hesitate, shoots another air ball. Like the guy was fearless. He had the utmost confidence in himself. And those small failures throughout his life really drove him. As he said on um, Stephen Jackson and Matt Barnes' podcast, he had a kill list at 13, basically a list of all the players that were ranked ahead of him, all the players that were more highly touted than him. And he had a list of all their names. And that was his motivation to pass all of them up and to destroy them when he had the opportunity to. Wow. This, this guy was a trained, a trained assassin, which is why he had over 33,000 points and five titles. And his, his understanding of who he was and what he wanted to be never wavered. It never wavered from, from eight, number eight, Kobe with the fro, to number 24, Kobe with, with, with four daughters in the family. It, it never wavered. Well, I, I think, uh, go back to his um, torn Achilles 
when he made the two free throws. He stayed on the floor. I mean, listen, there's not a more painful injury than a, than a, than a ruptured Achilles. I mean, it is debilitating. And he stayed on the floor and made his free throws, did his fist pump, and then ended up, you know, obviously going probably to the hospital. But I, I just love that about him. You know, like who 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 has the wherewithal and the uh, desire after that? You're, you're it's so debilitating, you know. But he he didn't he didn't care. I also love the story uh, about Candace Parker. Basically, um, you know, she loses the 2016 WNBA Finals, and Kobe says to her, "You know, what are you afraid of? You're going to lose scared, or you're going to win." This is in Ramona Shelburne's article on ESPN. And then uh, that was actually, I believe, before Game Five. And then she ends up having a great game, and and they win the championship, the Sparks. But Kobe was so he was just there for people, and it didn't matter if uh, if he was busy uh, or uh, you know winning an Oscar or writing a children's book. He was so relevant, CJ, for so many people, and not just athletes. You know, he found a way after basketball to move on and and create this entire new life. You talked about earlier, you know, 8 and 24 are two separate Hall of Fame careers. But you're right. I think his post-basketball career would have been the ultimate Hall of Fame, and he was already on his way. Yeah, he was He was definitely already on his way, and the impact he's made on so many players, it, it won't go unnoticed. I mean, I think it's sad because during these tragic times, you really get to see the impact someone has made on the world. And I think people are starting to understand that Kobe, a guy who is on a first name basis with the entire world, you know you're a global polarizing figure when you can say you can say someone's first name and you know exactly who they're referring to. Like you say Kobe, people in China, Europe, all across the world know exactly who you're referring to. And that shows you the type of impact he's had. And I think it's just so dope that everybody has paid homage to him. Um, you know, taking the 24 second shot clock, taking the eight second shot clock viola- uh, backcourt violation. I think the fact that Mark Cuban has already come out on record saying um, that he's going to retire number 24 jersey, you know, throughout his team for the for the foreseeable future forever, basically as a, as a tribute to Kobe Bryant. I think the fact that there's over you know two three million people who signed a petition to change the NBA logo. To Kobe Bryant um, shows you the the way his career has unfolded right before our very eyes. You talk about an 18, 19 year old guy who comes into the league. He has a you know a situation to where um, his livelihood was in jeopardy, um, and then he bounces back from that. Goes on to win more championships. Goes on to win more MVPs. Goes on to start many different business ventures. I think he turned six million into two hundred million with Body Armor. Um, he he's been able to be successful in just about every avenue, and now he's in a position now to be the logo of the entire NBA. Something that he probably never would have imagined as a thirteen, fourteen year old. Let's get into that because I I was uh, surprised because Jerry West is so synonymous with it. And I loved how he said, you know, I don't, I don't need it anymore. Like I, I've, I've interviewed Jerry West, and he's the ultimate competitor, right? Like he, he used to not when he was GM in the Lakers, he had to not watch games because he was so emotional each night. Like he had to physically remove himself 
and, and at times just go into a, a place of like solitude. So for him to say, concede and, and be like, you know what? I, I don't need it anymore. I think it was a wonderful tribute. I was a little surprised, but I'm so excited about this potential development, CJ, for Kobe to be the logo. You know, Jerry West, as we were talking about before the show, like he, he's an old, obviously he's in his 70s. He's really represents uh, an older NBA. And as the NBA has evolved into this global game, which Kobe was the impetus to in many respects, why not have Kobe, you know, take over the reins as the new logo for our new generation of players? And as you said before, Jerry West is the ultimate competitor, one of the only guys in NBA history to win most outstanding player of the finals on a losing team. Just kind of shows you the impact he's had on the NBA and how good he was. To lose the NBA finals and still receive most outstanding player means that you are beyond elite and putting up ridiculous numbers. But the fact that he's willing to potentially pass that to Kobe just kind of shows you not only not only how gracious he is as a person, but how impactful Kobe Bryant's career has been. Because if Kobe Bryant wasn't up to par, you best believe people wouldn't be signing this petition, uh, trying to uh, potentially change the logo. That, that The impact that he's made on the NBA and the world in general um, is undeniable. Well, I also think, um, you know, that like there's a way to do it and a way to be respectful about it. Because Jerry West is so, like, he's one of the greatest players ever. He's in the NBA 50. You could argue that, I mean, you could still make the argument that he's the greatest Laker ever. I love what Magic said. He said Kobe's the greatest Laker ever. There's so many special, you know, all-time players that have donned the purple and gold. But you said, CJ, earlier, why not give it to the next great Laker and Kobe? Jerry to Jerry West to Kobe Bryant. Like, how, um, you know congruent is that and and it's a wonderful sentiment if jerry west is up to it which it looks like he is so i'm 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 optimistic about it i think it's a really cool thing yeah i think it's something they have to consider um just based on everything that's happened as of late based on the fact that jerry west is willing and open to change saying that he's he's basically been the logo long enough and, and wouldn't mind relinqu- relinquishing his duties as the logo uh, I think it. I think it would be a, a an amazing gesture to a guy who's had an outstanding career. Uh, the the NBA. There's a hole in the NBA now. There yeah. will always be a hole with him not being around. This is a guy who, in my eyes, he's supposed to live forever. You know, this is a legend. This is a guy who's like a mystical figure, who just happened to be a human. Um, it's 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 crazy that he's he's no longer going to be with us. But just the impact he's had on the game, the moments he's been able to to share with so many different people, man. It's it's been special. And just those videos, those pictures of him and Gigi are are unbelievable, man. Just to see the way they adored each other and, and how much um the game meant to her. Um it was just beautiful to watch from afar. As a father of a daughter, CJ, there's I mean there really is nothing like a father daughter love. And um he was so proud of her and so proud of his four daughters. Um, you know, he would, t- you hear the stories now, which I, I wasn't really aware about, but you, you hear him basically how he was always saying, you know, she's the one, right? Like she's the, she's the next great Bryant. He's, she's better than I was when I was that age. Cause he was only 13 and she's, uh, she's gonna 
bear this 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 name and, and take their responsibility and and really wear it proudly and exceed my expectations and and all these like he was so proud of her to the point where in his in his family office he only had the picture up the cover of the slam magazine of him Gigi, and her uh and her mamba team you know think about all the magazine covers he's been on over the years i mean it's two decades right right and and the one that he had up for everyone to see when they came in the office was of him and her that says everything yeah that shows you his love uh for his family more specifically his love for Gigi, man and uh, the world is definitely going to miss him the world is going to miss all those who were lost um in that tragic, tragic helicopter crash. Don't go anywhere because after the break, we're gonna to continue to talk about Kobe's greatness. Before we um, move on, do you have a favorite CJ Kobe shot or memory? <sighs> yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot of moments, I think. I mean, the pass to Shaq. Yeah. You, you think about the right-to-left crossover lob to Shaq. That was... That's iconic. You think about some of the game winners he's hit in you know, playoffs against the Phoenix Suns. He gets to the uh, elbow, rises up, bang. Those are just great moments. I think. I think for me though, man, it's the the failures. You know, those air balls are what I all, I'll always remember. Uh, I'm a guy who is big on learning from obstacles, learning from failure, and you really get to see what someone's made of when they're tested. And the fact that he was able to overcome that, you know, averaging six, seven points a game early on in his career to becoming a mega global superstar in, in, in an instance, what, it, was, it was like a two, three year turnaround from rookie year to third or fourth year. He was a completely different player, viewed completely different by the rest of the world. So it's, it's something that I'll always remember, just those, those air balls and then how that kind of set the stage for the type of player and person he is now. But just from a perspective standpoint before we move on, man, I think it's important for all of us to live a full life. I think that's the that's the thing we have to take away from this is that Kobe lived a full life in 41 years. He was devoted to his family, to his craft, to his work ethic, to his passions. And then once he retired, he switched gears and became the ultimate philanthropist, a guy who was involved in the community, a guy who was involved in changing the lives of kids, uh, more specifically young women and men all across the world. So we have to do a better job of having that same approach of being consistent to our craft and being consistent with our approach to life. And I think um, as we all have and should be doing, telling our loved ones we love them and taking a step further and trying to show them daily uh, what they mean to us. Because at the end of the day, you know, we have a lot of material things that we value, but in reality, none of that stuff matters. None of that stuff is coming with us, you know, uh, once it's all said and done for us here. So that, that's the perspective that I'm, I'm approaching this with. Although it's a tough situation, uh, we have to really make sure we enjoy life because it is precious. Yeah, I couldn't couldn't say it better myself. My my two moments before we move on, maybe talk a little Super Bowl just before the end of the show would be um, – the Rucker Park in 02, I told the story on ESPN Radio the other night, but he goes to Rucker Park in 02, fresh off his third straight championship, and he felt like, I got to play on hollow ground because this is the most special and sacred basketball venue you know, outside of the NBA. I got to go play there and dominate. And I loved how he adapted his game. He could play the street ball game. He was basically completely dominant, right? And then it starts raining, and it starts pouring, 
and everyone's concerned that he's going to leave. But he tells the park, I'm not leaving. Let's keep playing. And everyone stayed in in the rain. It's a great scene. You can watch it on YouTube. I posted it on all over Instagram and Twitter because it's it's really it's ironic that like one of my favorite stories is an exhibition game in front of who knows how many thousands of people that packed the park. But I've played there. It's a really iconic you know place. And and all, all these people were recalling about the day in the park Kobe came. You know they weren't sure he was really going to come. Would he leave when it started raining? And he just he was just a hooper, man. Uh, that that that's everything he embodied. And the other one, quickly, is Team USA in 08 in Beijing. You know they they're playing a very very good Spain team. They can't score late. Rubio, this is the beginning of you know his career really overseas. He was dominant. Uh, the Gasol brothers. It looked like the U.S. might actually lose. Kobe hits a couple threes in 32 seconds. Has a floater. You know, he just seals the game in a way that only he can, and they end up winning the gold medal. He was 26-0, and CJ, in international competition, two Olympic golds and, and a FIBA gold, so three gold medals. Those two stories, you know, away from the NBA, but those two stories, to me, really embody him. Yeah, those are amazing stories, and I remember the Rucker Park situation. I think security encouraged him to leave, and he refused, right. basically saying, look, man, I'm here. I'm finishing out what I started. And he was playing in forces. He was playing in forces. That's that's epic. Do you know man. how have you dude, those are the most uncomfortable basket they're not even a basketball shoes. Like I remember Rasheed wore them for a year. They're terrible. You could break your ankle wearing yeah. those things just walking. Yes, yeah, it's, it's not ideal. Not even close to being ideal. I'd be remiss if I didn't mention you mentioned Mark Cuban and Shaq. Um talked to both of them briefly. Shaq was a complete mess. But I think really appreciative of his time with Kobe and Cuban felt like this is something we need to do, you know, to retire the number twenty four uh, for for Dallas Mavericks. And I would hope that I would hope that the NBA does the same with both numbers or at least one of them. You know, I, I really hope that. Yeah, I hope the the rest of the teams, you know, pick up on this. Obviously, um, there are some great players that have probably worn these numbers, you know, eight and twenty four on a lot of different teams throughout the NBA, but if it's within their power to do it, I think that uh, it would be a nice gesture, to say the least. I guess we, I mean, I'm in Miami. I, I, I have to get your Super Bowl pick. I know I feel like you're you're all over Mahomes, but give it to me. Oh, man. I think Pat Mahomes is going to do it, man. It's hard for me to bet against Richard Sherman. I'm a, I'm a big Richard Sherman guy. It's hard for me to bet against Sherm, but... I think that Mahomes throws for over two and a half touchdown passes. I think Travis Kelsey scores a touchdown. And I think the Chiefs win, man. I think I just have this feeling that this is their year to win it all, man. But have you looked at these prop bets? Have you seen these prop bets? No. I'm not, you know what? I'm not a huge prop bet guy, although for the Super Bowl, there's so many fun ones, like heads or tails. How many wardrobe changes for Jennifer Lopez? Over two and a half or under? Oh, that's easy. That's an over. How many Super Bowl commercials will include a dog? Over three and a half, under three and a half. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is unbelievable. Unbelievable. Will Alex Rodriguez be shown during halftime? Is it like minus 300 for yes? Plus 200 for yes, minus 300 for no. It's basically like no is favored. 
That's and, shocking. And personal favorite here. Will anyone say they are going to Disney World? Plus four, plus 140, yes. Minus 180, no. I'm going to go no. I feel like that's really been played out. And this is the rated R prop bet of the day. Will Jennifer Lopez show butt cleavage? <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know how she <laughs> yes. doesn't. Yes is plus 500. No is minus 1,000. Um, I don't even know what butt cleavage is, but I'm going to go with no. I'm going to go with no here. I'm going to go with yes, having just seen Hustlers, where she definitely shows a few a few moments of cleavage in that. I think she's fresh off that performance. She's motivated. Fresh off she's that performance. Oh, man. This Super Bowl is going to be a good one. I think the props are more interesting than the game, although this is going to be a great game, so I shouldn't say that. You got San Francisco. Is it one and a half, two and a half? You just taking them straight, straight bet? Yeah, straight bet. I think it's the shortest um, Super Bowl odds ever. Man, so basically, you're better off just taking one team or the other. San Francisco, you talked about Sherm. I love Sherm. Um, he's definitely going to come on the pod. I've been pestering him, but we'll do it after the Super Bowl. A happy Sherm on the pod would be would be ridiculous. Exactly. So go Niners, man. And I'm, dude, I'm a Seattle guy through and through. So I, you know, the Niners are like, it's hard to root for them, but I think it's really easy to root for Kansas City, Andy Reid, Mahomes. You know that city. As a whole, San Francisco already has their five championships, CJ. And it does feel like both these teams are incredibly evenly matched. So I'm really excited about this game. You know, I've been thinking about you this week. Very, very tough few days. And um, it sounds like you're in my boat with with Kobe and that you'll, you really want to, I think like everybody should try to remember all the great things he's accomplished and also, you know what can you do about it now? You can, you can go hug, go hug and kiss your loved ones, especially those that, you know, maybe you've had issues with because it's just it's a reminder that tomorrow is never promised and it's an opportunity to um, to really make things right and enjoy the moment. Hey Amen, man. I'm with you on that one, and I hope you enjoy your time in Miami. I hope you get me enjoy out of your here. time when you get back to your family to get. To- to get some relaxation in. And once again, we want to thank all our listeners out there for tuning in faithfully to the Pull Up Pod. We hope you really take some time to reflect and enjoy some time with family. Um, you can catch us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Radio.com, backslash Pull Up with CJ, or wherever you get your shows. And don't forget to Pull Up! Pull up.